You're listening to Live from My Mother's Basement with me, Mike Marino. And we're live over here, and we're live over here. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Live from My Mother's Basement. And I will say this, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to throw a really big party. That's right, because my 200th episode is coming up. I believe it's like September 7 or 8, whatever that first Tuesday night in September is. 200th episode. I think I'll have a big blockbuster party. Maybe what I'll do is I'll invite you and all the guests who've been on my show. 200. Well, that means I would have to have 200 people at my house. Well, I don't know if social distancing will allow that. or Maybe COVID wouldn't allow it, but it is going to be 200. But I am super psyched and super happy to have the guest on my show tonight. This is going to be very, very different, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be some fun. There's going to be some frolic. But this is, I would say, the first, well, maybe not the first author. I've had some people who wrote books on my show, but not of this caliber. This is going to be truly amazing. I know I I have Mary sitting here. I'm going to introduce her. She's just sitting here wondering what the hell it is that I'm doing. But I am so overwhelmingly excited to do this because this show is going to be different. Not a lot of humor, not a lot of craziness. Not a lot of, you know, people talking about what they really don't do in the world. But this is real. I have an author on my show. I read the book. I read the poems. You're going to get familiar with that because the author is sitting right next to me. So let's say hello. This is Mary B. Janusa. And Patterson is in that name, too. Mary B. Janusa Patterson. Mary, thank you for coming to the basement. It's nice to see you. Thank you for inviting me. I love your basement. It's warm, it's comfortable, and it feels like a lot of fun is going to happen. Oh, boy, is that well said. And that's coming from a nice, traditional Italian woman with Italian parents and family from Sicily, and we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about her book. I almost, in a way, and I want to tell you this, I got nervous that this is the way I'm going to do tonight's show. I'm very nervous that you're here because the books are fantastic, folks. Fantastic. And when you're reading these books, and we're going to get into this whole thing, when you're reading these books, you see the movie. Okay, you see this movie. She's also going to tell us how the movie has been turned into a script, and the hope to make this a blockbuster would be fantastic. And of course, maybe even a TV series. Maybe even Mary will consider having me be one of the stars of this particular project that she's writing. All right, good for you. Um, So we're going to get real with that. But first, let's talk about what's going on in the world. Mary drove all the way from, where'd you come from? Maryland, Crofton, Maryland, right outside of Annapolis. Well, I don't know exactly where Annapolis is, but is it very, very far? Uh, no, not too far. Uh, we're actually, I live actually south of uh, Baltimore, and I know you know where Baltimore is. Baltimore, sure. So I'm south of Baltimore, and I'm north of Washington, D.C. And right outside the Chesapeake Bay, very nice area. Lots of nice uh, people that live there, and lots of crabs. Crabs? Crabs. In Chesapeake? Chesapeake In the Bay. Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to fish. 
and I never had a crab in my life. Oh, that's a shame, because they're delicious. Ugh. They're delicious. That's so funny that you say that, because I think that was a conversation that took place before we started tonight's podcast. Mm-hmm. Something was being said about crabs. crabs. Maybe there's crabs in the potato chips, is that what they were Something saying? Something like that. All right, so your son is here, he came with you. Yes. And what is your son's name? Dan. Dan is here. Dan brought his mom here, like a nice, good Italian boy, brought his mom all the way from Chesapeake. And when he got here, for some reason or other, he was handed a bag of potato chips that has something to do with crabs. Uh, We're going to talk about that later because I think we're going to have some surprise catering and the number four sandwich. I don't know how that happens. Every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock when we're in the basement, Johnny Salami shows up somehow, or at least his hand. So how long was the ride? Uh, about three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Plus, I... Yeah, we um, took a little longer because we had a, had a little bit of traffic, but it was, it was not bad. Right. I can't believe that the guest tonight drove three and a half hours to be on this show. That's right. Drove three and a half hours With to come With a face out. like that, how could I resist? <laughs> I hope everybody's noticing I wore a shirt and not one of my typical Make America Italian Again shirts. For me. For you. I wanted to be respectful and dress nice because we have an author on the show. Um, we were talking about COVID, so the COVID thing seems to be coming back a little bit, and I hope it doesn't stay long. This whole Delta variant, I mean, you know, how have you and your family been dealing with the whole COVID thing? See, we all get checked. My producer, Tatiana Blueshell, who you were communicating with, mm-hmm. made sure that everybody who comes into the basement, they have a, uh, a COVID check or fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. They put the paperwork together, everything signed, sealed, and delivered. And they came over, and that's why we're able to do what we do. Um, before the pandemic, I was mm-hmm. telling you before the show that we used to have like 10, 15 people come down here and have some fun. I'm sorry, somebody's trying to call me while I'm doing the show. That's very rude. They should be just watching. But anyway, so um, we can't do that anymore. So it's just us, just us. and catering appears out of nowhere. Um, so they came far away. Now, we were also watching uh, the Olympics. Are you an Olympic fan? Do you watch yeah. the Olympics? Yes. And I tennis. That's my favorite. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And um, I do love the gymnastics, but I get so nervous when I'm watching these kids perform. It's, it's hard. I think we all do that because these kids, and they are kids, Mm -hmm. they go running full speed at this pummel horse, jump up in the air, flip around a hundred times, and stick it. Mm -hmm. And it's heart. Yes. My heart. Doesn't it give you like a heart palpitation? It does. It does. It just it just makes me so nervous. Yeah, because you think maybe somebody might get hurt, Mm -hmm. and you wonder how do they not get hurt? But they're so good at doing it. And not only is it the pummel horse, but of course it's the bars, the rings, the dancing on the floor, whatever it's called. But tonight we watched the one girl, I forgot her name, but she was saying she's feeling like she's under too much pressure and she can't handle it. So she backed out of some of the games. I don't know if she backed out of some of the games or all of the games, but I mean, you could just imagine the pressure. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how they do it. I just, and especially at that age. And they train all their lives for this big week and now maybe she's got to wait wait another four years. I don't know how that's going to be possible. But I was watching a lot of the Olympics, and it's nice to see what's going on. And uh, I hope we come home with some gold. And I hope uh, everybody comes home okay because I can only imagine what it would be like to be 
in the Olympics and there's no audience in the grandstand. And there's very few, if you've noticed. Yeah. There's not even a fourth of the, uh, the auditorium's filled, and that's sad. It's, it's really sad. That's this sad. whole baloney that's going on in this world is sad. That's why I'm lucky that I'm a comedian. However, a lot of our shows have been closed down to a small amount of people, but it seems to be getting bigger. But then again, we're watching this new thing called the Delta variant, and it might get bigger, so who the heck knows what's going to go on. And if you people are watching closely, you'll notice I said who the heck knows instead of who the hell knows because Mary's on the show. Oh. At least I got one laugh out of that. It was oh, very funny. So sweet. I'm really very, is, sweet. very sweet. <laughs> it's like having family on the show. You can't mess around. Can't mess around. Um, I was watching in the news today, too, because I like to travel, and I just got back from Florida. I got checked. I'm good. Don't worry. Now I've also been vaccinated. Um, but uh, the flights supposedly now are getting less because they're running out of fuel. Did you see that in the news? No, I haven't, but I'm they're, not surprised. They're running out of fuel because there's not enough employees who drive the fuel tanker trucks. Could you imagine this conversation uh, in, in anything other than that? I can't fly you today. Why not? We're out of gas. <laughs> imagine being up in the air. Uh, we're going to have to land in Baltimore. Why? Uh, we're out of gas. <laughs> we were supposed to go to New York. <laughs> no, actually, we were going to go to New Jersey. We had to take Mary. She was going to do the live from my mother's basement show, but she can't make it now. We don't have any gas. It's just crazy. It's just really crazy. Well, <clears throat> I'm lucky that I was on a flight to Florida, and the flight leaving Newark to Tampa... The uh, flight attendant was on the microphone. You know how they're on the microphones, and they talk about, you know, uh, strap up, seat up, do this, do that. We're going to land and whatever. Keep your mask on. This woman actually said, hello, welcome to United Flight number number on the way to Tampa. I hope everybody's in a good mood. I hope you're happy. I hope there's no angry people on the flight that might start a fight. You know why she's saying this, right? No. Because there's been 158 fights on flights in the past year. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yes. I knew that was why I didn't fly. <laughs> I stayed home. I knew there was a reason. All right. Well, there's a lot of people out there flying. And, of course, one of the craziest things is there's been a lot of fights mm -hmm. on planes. You haven't seen these people are punching the crap out of each other. Uh, sometimes with people who work there, sometimes amongst each other, they have to stop the flight. And it's been happening more and more and more. So, I heard the lady get on the microphone just saying things like, I hope everybody's in a good mood and there won't be any fights on this flight. I thought that was hilarious. I wanted to get up and grab the microphone and actually do a stand-up routine. Oh, you should have. They would have loved it. Yes. They would have loved it. <laughs> I appreciate that. And one more thing, or two more things I want to talk about that's going on in the news, of course. Um, RV sales are on the rise because people like to travel via land because of the pandemic. You don't have to get on the plane. You don't have to run the risk of getting beat up. So you buy an RV. Now, one of the reasons why they're not selling all the RVs that they wish they could sell around the United States is because they don't have enough furniture. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen, you got to laugh at that. Could you imagine you're going to buy an RV and you can't? There's no seats. There's no seats. No bed. 
no stove, no you stove. can't cook, no reading light, you can't read a book. Come on, Mary, you can laugh. That was funny. That was like the cleanest show I've ever done in my entire life. I can't even get a smile. Come on now. We can do this. I think one of the greatest things is I'm sitting next to an Italian with blonde hair. Boy, I can't wait to get into that. Why us Italians have blonde hair. Uh, they spent some more money because they think we need to go to Jupiter. Some people need to go to Jupiter. Let's spend $178 million so that we can go figure out what's going on on Jupiter. Why should we spend $178 million here on Earth, you know, to wipe out COVID-19 or to fix the homeless problem? Screw it. Let's just go to Jupiter. Well, I'm that, all that's for a joke, it. too, I, Mary. I know, I know She's all for it. I'm all for it. I'm sorry. Why? I think, I think there's enough money to take care of everything. Going to Jupiter, helping, helping our, our elderly, helping our are poor people that have no homes. I just think the money has got to be given out in the correct way, and I don't think it is. Well, I don't think we should be spending money going to outer space when we could spend money right here on planet Earth and fix the Earth, and then the people we don't like, we could shoot them to Jupiter and say, get the heck out of here. Well, that's a good idea. See, that's why we need to go to Jupiter, so we can get all our crazies and send them up there. Yes, there you go. I like the way she put it, all our crazies. Our crazies. That's a nice way of saying nutty people. Yeah. Crazies. Crazies. Crazy. That's why she's a writer and I'm a comedian. <laughs> she could write good stuff. I could... Deliver it. Deliver it. Holy Please shit. Stuff. It. I'm trying not to curse. <laughs> this is the clean show. Um, this is really great. Okay. Um, the weather's going to be great all this week, but it's really, really hot here in the basement. So we have some drinks, we have some wine, we're going to talk about all the wine, and especially the guy who brought some wine down here for us tonight. And there was, right now, really quick, because we're going to take in questions, but Laura Brunetti is the other author I had on the show. Oh, okay. She wrote the books, oh man, I hope I remember, Art Care, I hope I'm saying it correctly, which was about helping people through painting. Painting houses or... No, no. Houses? <laughs> painting houses. Kind of, kind of painting. Art. Art painting. Oh, okay. For, I some. That's very good. Yeah. So, hi, Laura Brunetti. Say hello to Mary. You could say that out loud, Mary. Hi, Laura. There you go. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, it was in the news that edibles are on the rise. And more and more people are using edibles to make themselves happy and joyful. Do you indulge in edibles? I have. All right, Mary. I have, um, and it's a great gift. In fact, that's one of the best gifts you can give. An edible? Oh, yeah, the edible. The fruit with the chocolate and all that goes on it. Oh, that is hilarious. Why, I'm not, it's not that that you're talking well, about? Well, first of all, Laura Brunetti, the other author, is saying hello to you. Other oh. author is saying hello to you. And that's very nice. You guys should get together sometime. Yes. We're going to talk about her books, Laura, in a, in a little while. And I was talking about edibles... And Mary thought I meant edibles, the like juice. you get, yes. What kind of edible do you mean? Well, you know, the strawberries that are dipped in chocolate and the pineapples and the watermelon. Oh, isn't like this adorable? She actually thinks I'm talking about edibles, like edib edible decorations, strawberries dipped in chocolate, and like a banana, sometimes they put that in chocolate, edible arrangements. Mm -hmm. Isn't it what it's called, edible arrangements? Yes. No, I'm talking about marijuana. Oh! Isn't that hilarious? You just tell how old I am. 
edibles is all over the news now. <laughs> edible arrangements, I know. And she was thinking I meant edible arrangements. Stay in the game, Mary. Stay in the game. I'm trying. Um, I'm trying. They were talking in the news about edibles, which is like um, marijuana that you eat, like a cupcake oh. or a, a brownie. You put it in the, in the food. Well, you buy it now because in the state of New Jersey, CBD, chocolate, you can go get somewhere. Or in the state of California, you can go anywhere and get it, like just going into a 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. And you buy marijuana that is edible. So candies, lollipops, anything. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yes, there you go, Mary. See, now, if you eat that type of an edible with marijuana in it, then the strawberry dipped in chocolate tastes so much better. <laughs> That's, That's the right. smile we're looking for on this show. Right. Right. <laughs> Scott, how you doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're just waving to a few friends, those of you who are listening to us on the Internet. I am here with author Mary B. Janusa Patterson on the show live and we're gonna have some fun um, before we get into the book because there is a podcast watching this podcast and it's called the Italian group and the Italian group has a little bit of a uh, side podcast when they talk about sauce versus gravy it is the long going ongoing debate in the state of either New Jersey or New York where New York Italians and Jersey Italians over, argue over whether they call it sauce or gravy. Now, it's not like they're going to fist fight in the street, but they usually just fight and yell and scream. My mother, who is from Italy, my mother's from Duronia, Campobasso, Italy. She's Abruzzese. She always said gravy because there was meat in it, like meatballs, brajols, sausage, and pork. So, you're Sicilian? I was born in Sicily. Born in Sicily. I came to this country in 1947, and my mother never called sauce gravy, ever. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> so you say sauce? Sauce, of course. Even if there was meat in it? Oh, absolutely. So on a Sunday, did your family come down to the basement and make sauce with meatballs and brajol? Of course. Of course, right? Of course. I just taught my son, who's a chef, how to make brajol. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he goes to this very expensive college in California for culinary. And his mother has to teach him how to make brujol. He didn't even know how to wrap it. Oh, this, this is a great conversation. Here we go. Let's explode. She just became a mom of all moms. This is what we want. This is what I was hoping would happen on this show. Her son goes to culinary school, yet she needs to teach him how to make brujol. That's hilarious. And did you actually say brajol? How do you say it? Brajol. 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 Right. And when I showed him how to make it, and we cooked it in the sauce, sauce, not sauce, gravy. Sauce, not gravy. gravy. Get me, Mary. Get me. <laughs> he thought it was one of the best things he ever ate. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. So he yeah. probably took your recipe, showed everybody over at the school what he can do, he can and do. became a legend, but well, it was really I, I your way. I said to Joey, you didn't have to go to California to go to school, to San Francisco. I could have taught you how to cook. You didn't have to spend all that money. He didn't listen to me. My mother used to say all the time, learn how to cook because you never know who you're going to marry. That's true. And she don't know how to cook. You're eating out every Sunday and you're not coming to my house. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that's right? Smart. Very my smart. mother used to say that all the time. But uh, I remember my mother would make brajol. Now, for everybody out there who doesn't know what brajol is, it's very thin steak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, some of the Italians make it with veal. 
which I just found out recently. Rajol with veal. With veal. Buchanan. Now I've never heard of that. I just heard I just heard about this recently. They make it with Rajol and I I mean with veal and I'm trying to remember what they put in the center of it. With the way I was taught how to make it is you take steak. Steak. Tenderize it. Beat it, beat it, beat it. That's the way the Italians would tenderize steak. They would beat it with a hammer. With a hammer. Nice and soft. And then what you do is you put celery, hard-boiled eggs, um, lots of sharp cheese, breadcrumbs, salt, pepper, garlic. I'm trying not to use my hands because... You can use your hands. Talk as loud as you can, please. Okay. And then you roll it up, tie it up, and then just throw in, in the sauce, not the gravy, the sauce. Okay, but well, wait a minute. My mother would make the brajole, she'd roll it up like that, but then she had to put a uh, string around it and uh -huh. toothpicks. Uh -huh. You did that too? No, I never I never used toothpicks. We just used the string. The string. We tied it up really tight. Tied it up because you roll it into a ball or uh -huh. like a like a hot dog shape, like a sausage. Yeah. Like, like a the shape sausage. of a sausage. Yeah. Pretty big. And then I could have sworn my mother fried them. Did she didn't fry them? Um, you can. You can braise them. You braise them. Braise them. You put them in a, in a pan of olive oil and lots of onions, and you cook it and braise it, and then you put it in your sauce. You can right. do it either way. Right. I tell my son to braise it with onions since he went to this fancy culinary school and throw it in the sauce. I think it's great. He goes to a fancy culinary school, yet mom is the one teaching him how to do the cooking. He'll no. probably win an award. Not only that, I taught him how to make homemade pasta by hand. I don't have a machine. I don't know how to use a machine. But I take a roller, and you knead your bread, your dough, and you roll it out, slice it until it dries, and you cook it, and it's out of this world. And my son was amazed when I taught him how to do that. He just thought it was How do you good. make pasta without the machine? Oh, take your flour. You put flour, salt, one egg, and water. You knead it, okay? Make it into a big pile of dough. A dough. And then you take a long stick, long, long, it's round, and you roll it out. Wait a minute now. I think we all know what that stick was used for. <laughs> Bacala. Bacala. Oh. No, getting hit on the ass with the stick. No, no. This is, a, no, no. That, that, when we tenderize it, we use the American tenderizing thing. Mm -hmm. okay. No, this is a long, round stick. It's about so long. And it's about... It's a rolling pin. Like a rolling pin. Like a rolling a long pin. Stick. Right. Okay. And you put it on, on the um, on the um, the flour or the when you knead it and you roll it and you keep rolling it and you churn it and you roll it until Like it's making a nice flat, flat pizza. Flat, flat, flat and round. Now when my father did it, it was perfect. I don't know how he ever did that. Mine is pretty per pretty close, but my father was an expert at it. And then <laughs> you let it dry. And then you fold it, and you cut it up, and then you let it dry a little longer, and then you put it in your, in your water and boil it. It's very, very good. And my son was so impressed. It's unbelievable how much time and energy the older school generation would put into making the pasta, pasta. which we always said macaroni in my life. Well, no. Well, I'm, Did I'm, you say pasta or macaroni? Depending Both, what, depending. Depending, yeah, depending on what you were serving. You're right. But the thing that you're saying that rolled it out, we would say was a rolling pin. Maybe you had something a little bit different. Well, a rolling pin is, is wide. Right. With the handles on the side. Yeah, yeah. This is thin and long piece of wood, and it's round. And that's what you roll out your pasta with. 
If I surprised you with my grandmother's rolling pin right now, would you be shocked? I don't know. Hey, Johnny. Yes, sir. Do me a favor. Get me that rolling pin right over there by the, 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 the pasta strainer. Yeah, you know what? Hurry up. Bring all three of those items. Bring this one and bring the other two things, too, because we're going to ask Mary what they're called. That, that one and then, the, and then the, the coffee type thing. Bring them over. All right, here's a little quiz for Mary. Okay. Put them over here. So we were just talking about making pasta from scratch, and she was saying what the, how she rolled it out or how her family would roll it out. And I was saying what well, we used to get beat by rolling pin, grandma's. Oh, that's how yeah. old this is. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. See that? Isn't that amazing? This is actually, it's got to be the 1940s. Yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. Today you they're know? all plastic. That's all wood. This is what my grandmother would make pasta with, like you said, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But then she'd beat your ass with this. Oh, absolutely. This is really, really old. What do you call that? School of pasta. School of pasta. And that's what we said, um, uh, pasta strainer, or uh, what was another word? Why, did, why am I skipping this word? Str pasta strainer, but it was, um, oh, I forgot. All right, and then there's this. Oh, that's a beauty. And this is really, really old. Oh, All right, go ahead. What is this called, Mary? Um, well, it's a coffee pot for black coffee. Okay, this you made black coffee, or espresso. Espresso. And we called this something. What did you call it? Oh, uh, I don't know. A maginette. A what? Maginette. Oh, no. See, we were talking about this on one of the other shows, too, the dialects. The difference in an Italian dialect, my mother called this a maginette, and since she's Sicilian and my mother's Uruguay, you don't even know the word. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing how the it's, dialects are so different. different? Yeah, it's really different. So then Italian people would say, just say coffee pot and call it a day. Because we did call this a school of pasta, but of pasta. it was something else that we said. Pasta strainer. Um, it's going to come to me a little later. All right, but... Hey, at least it's fun that we're sharing these old-school Sicilian-slash-Bruzzese um, idealistics because we are true Italians and of Italian descent. Uh, we're going to share a glass of wine, and I'm going to tell you where I got the wine, and then we're going to go right into the fact that this author, Mary, is sitting right next to me, and she has her books here. So if you would like to slip a little, sip a little glass of wine with me, and this is coming from a friend of mine. He's in uh, Florida, but he's from Naples. Mm -hmm. Cheers with me. And uh, to your friend, Massimo Battista. Mr. Massimo Battista is from Naples. He has this delicious wine, and he sent us a couple of bottles. And I thought it would be nice to enjoy a glass of this wine while you and I talk about your book. Is this the Chooch? Yeah. No, this is Cabiche. You speak Italian? Not much, right? No. This is Cabiche, and you can get this very, very soon. Massimo, if you want to tell us where you can get this wine right now on the internet, you can go ahead and do so and post it. But this is the Cabiche, which means, do you understand? Do you understand? And this is <laughs> Johnny Salami's hand. He's got the tannest hand in the business. Chooch! It's both delicious, delicious wines. Right now, we're going to have the Cabiche. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. We put a, uh, a, a one ice cube in it just to make it nice mm -hmm. and chill. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. 
Here's the bottles right here. Chooch. Isn't it a nice, nice bottle? Tastes really, really good. This is what we're going to have with the homemade pasta when we make some brajoles and pasta. And this is the cabbage. All right. Let's get into this, ladies and gentlemen. I read one of the most incredible books about this young lady's life who's sitting next to me right now. And um, why don't you give me the one that you first sent to me. This is Franco and Anna Genusa, Their Journey. You know, when you read books like this, to me, you see a movie. You want to watch this on screen. You want your favorite actor to play your dad. You want your favorite actress to play your mom. And you want me to play an, a character in there, too. <laughs> and there's lots of characters in there, you can tell. I hope so. Thank there you very is. much. There I appreciate is. that. And she also wrote some poems. And I would like to re re recite the poems mm -hmm. on the show. So tell us about why you decided to attack writing a book about your family. Well, I love period piece novels. That's my favorite. And I was looking for something to read, and I couldn't find anything that was interesting. And I said to myself, I can do this. I can write my own story. So then the next um, thing I had to decide is what did I want to write on? And I thought, why not my own family? It's very interesting. So I went to my oldest sister and I said, Terry, I've decided to write a book on our family. And she says, About oh, your family. About my family. Oh, right. Mary, she says, I've got a great story to tell you, which is true. She says, when we were in Sicily, we were coming, and actually we were uh, in Disaquino. We were on the outskirts in the countryside. And my father had rented a home there and he picked olives for olive oil. And he owned his, ho his home in the village, which was like maybe three, four miles away. Your so father's name is Franco. Franco, yes. My mother's Janusa. Anna. Yeah, my mother is Anna. Is Anna. Anna. My mother's name is Antoinette. Antoinette. And that's something? That's pretty. Very beautiful. So she said we were in the in our cart. Of course, they didn't have cars. They just had mules and horses. Donkeys. Donkeys. Yeah, mules and donkeys. The reason why I, I repeat what you're saying is because it hits a nerve. Because this is what my mother told me her brothers and sisters did. And my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And they didn't go to school. They rode these donkeys, and they would do whatever they had to do with these olives to make olive oil. Olive because, you know, the whole world thinks olive oil is something out of the Godfather. Mm -hmm. But technically, a lot of people from making wine to making olive oil had these big farms, and this mm -hmm. is what they did. That's what they did. Yeah, exactly. and there was no construction equipment. They had to do this all by, by blue-collar grunt. Mm -hmm. By hand. They by hand. By hand. Okay. In fact, so anyhow, uh, we were coming from the um, village, no, from the farm to the village, and we were on the in the cart. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know if I was born at that time or not. I put in the book that my mother was pregnant with me. She, my father all of a sudden stopped the cart and said, Anna, Anna, yelling at my mother. Meanwhile, my mother looks up in the sky and there's this German plane. Now, remember, this is Second World War. The German plane is coming towards the cart. My father panicked, started screaming at my mother, get out of the cart, get out of the cart, run, run. And he says to her, run to the tree, run to the tree. So we all ran to the tree, and my father is pushing us up in the tree. My sister Terry says, Mary, what was daddy thinking? Did he really think that tree was going to protect us? And she started to laugh. 
And then she got very quiet because she remembered that situation so clearly and she got very scared remembering that particular moment. Her, I was just a baby. If I was there or not, I don't know. Right. But so you could, you could just imagine the fear, the fear of seeing a, uh, I guess, a Nazi plane. Yeah. Coming towards you. Coming towards you, and here you are just out in the farmlands, which is probably way out in the open. I don't know exactly what an olive field looks like, but I would assume you can't really hide too well. And they probably were all under the assumption that they were under attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very frightening. Make, make a great opening to a film. Mm -hmm. So go, then what goes on? So um, the book that I, this book that I wrote has a lot of... Um, Things that actually happened with my family. Like, for instance, my oldest sister, Terry, took my, there were six of us, six girls. Poor father, he was with seven women. Poor father, he wouldn't know us at the end, you know, I don't blame him. So the, you, your father and mother had just the six girls? Six girls, and I was the youngest. I was the youngest. So and everybody was born in Sicily? We were all born in Sicily. So what was the name of the town in Sicily? Bessequino. Bessequino. It's right outside of Corleone. Corleone, eh? Yes, See, everybody uh, knows where Corleone is. You know, most of the time, I would think people thought Corleone was fictitious. I think. Yeah. I didn't think it was real until no, you just real. said. And in the film, The Godfather, when he's in the fields and they're going into Corleone and the church, I went by the church. I saw the church where it was filmed. And yeah. And you have to go through Corleone uh, to get to Bisaquino, or you go around. Uh, Corleone to get to Bisaquino. It depends on which direction you want oh, to get. So this is fantastic. I mean, come on. We all know this scene in The Godfather yeah. when they're walking in the fields and Michael's hiding and, Michael. and it's hot and they go into that place after he sees the girl. So that might have even been Bisaquino. Yeah. Oh, I think it was. Now, my eldest sister, Terry, told me that she had seen an American Sicilian walking with two bodyguards out in the field. She actually saw this. So I, you know, wherever, however they took that part from, from the movie, I don't. It wasn't fictional. It was actually happening in Sicily, where the Americans mafia would hide their sons. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, in Sicily. Well, there's supposedly there's a lot of uh, truth in The Godfather based yes. on someone's mafiosa life. So maybe that was them telling the truth, and that's what they saw mm -hmm. an American. Walking. Hiding in Sicily. Mm -hmm. With bodyguards. With two bodyguards. Two bodyguards. I forgot their names. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, so that's the truth. And that's what my sister told me that she saw. Now, another thing my sister saw that I thought was very amazing that she told me is that she was in one of the uh, village uh, squares. She did go to school. My older sisters went to school. The young girls were, were home. But she was in the square, and she heard Mussolini speak. The Italians, the Sicilian people, telling him how we were going to side up with the Germans and we were going to become rich and independent of the world and la la la. So she actually saw Mussolini, my oldest sister. No kidding. Yeah. We saw Mussolini this weekend. His name's Armand Asante. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Please, somebody get that. Armand Asante is an actor. He played oh, Mussolini in oh, the okay. Mussolini oh, movie. Okay, okay, and he was just at MobCon yeah. down in Atlantic City at Harris. Yes. Isn't that hilarious? And Johnny Salami was with him. He took a picture with him. Armand DeSante. Hello, Armand DeSante. I hope you're watching the show tonight. We loved you in Gotti, but we also loved you when you played Mussolini. Now, was Mussolini very short, like they say? He was like really five foot? 
Yeah, he was very small. Right. But most Sicilians and most Italians are small. Now, yes. Some, some Italians are a little bigger, a little taller. I think the more the, the more north you go, the Italians get a little taller. Right. But where we come from, Sicily, they're pretty small people. Yes, my parents always told me the northern Italians were considered the mountain guineas, and they had blonde hair and blue eyes. When you went down south, they got shorter and they got darker, and that's when they got the dark eyes and the dark hair and the olive skin. Maybe the olive skin was because they all worked in the olive field. I don't know. But that's, that's really, really great. Could you imagine knowing someone who actually watched Mussolini give a speech? Give a speech. Because the majority of us see maybe a movie or a YouTube clip. Yeah. But, wow. What were the people thinking at that time? Do you know? Oh, like, yeah, we I really know. don't want to be. Hey, Mussolini, oh, no. what are you doing? You're going to get us killed. No, no. They, they wanted. In fact, when I wrote the book, there's a lot of historic, uh, his, history written in this. I, I did a lot of uh, research. The Italians and the Sicilians did not anything to do with the Germans. They did not want to be part of um, the Nazi regime. They did everything they could. But Mussolini said no. It was what he wanted. And those people had to do what he wanted. Not what they wanted. They had no choice. Mussolini was a ruler. He went for the, the Nazis. Now, the best part and the most amazing part that what, that I found out about Sicily that I didn't know about until I did the research is when the Germans were on the island of Sicily, and this is part in my book, the Italian, um, the, um, the people uh, got together including the mafia that was at that point were, was, was now uh, doing the mafia stuff, got together with the Italians and they actually took the Germans and they drew, drew them out of Sicily into the mainland. And when they did that, that was the end of the war. So it was the Sicilians that ended Second World War. And that's historically documented. And that's of course in this wonderful book and it's amazing to hear that the Italians stood up and said, listen, we don't want to be part of this, but the Mafia had something to do with that too, huh? Well, the Mafia actually was no, well, they were not in control during the Second World War, but they wanted to get rid of the Germans. Right. So they sided up with the resistance and anyone else that was willing to fight with them against the Germans. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. They fought against the Germans. And that's when they drove them off the island, and that's when the Second World War ended. And that's documented, as I said. Well, tell us about, of course, your mom and your dad. Then they had the six children. When was it that they said, let's go to the United States? Well, my sister, my oldest sister was 60. Now, let me explain this to you. When I was born, I was born an American citizen. My mother, my grandfather and my grandmother came to the United States. They had their two older daughters. They were automatically American citizens because they were born in the States, even though their parents were Sicilians. Right. They went back to Sicily um, when my mother was around 16 years old and her sister, my grandfather, brought, went back to America and to New, and New York, uh, New York City, to work. He did it because his, his family needed the money and to feed the other six daughters. My mother is the oldest of six daughters. I'm the youngest of six daughters. So what happened was my mother came back to this country. She worked in the dark garment district. My grandfather worked on the Holland Tunnel. Yeah, my grandfather worked on the Holland Tunnel. You're kidding. No, I'm serious. All right, well, let's talk to some people who are not from New York, New Jersey, okay? Okay. I don't even know what year the Holland Tunnel was even thought about. 
Does the Holland Tunnel go, go out before the Lincoln Tunnel, or did they do them at the same time? I don't, I don't know. These are the so-called arteries that link New York and New Jersey in Jersey City and in Hoboken, I believe. Mm -hmm. And this is right where Ellis Island is. This is where the Statue of Liberty sits on Ellis Island, of course. And as far as we're all concerned, it's in New Jersey. Um, uh, what year did they build the Holland Tunnel? I don't know. Is that the late 1800s or early 1900s? Trivia, somebody looked that up. But anyway, yeah, you gotta talk just a little louder, sweetheart. People can't hear you. Okay. But, but let, let, let me um, hit this thing. Um, there were arranged marriages back in that day. Oh, my Was mother your, and father had one. Oh, tell us about how your mother and father were an arranged marriage. My father went to his parents and said he wanted to marry my mother. His parents went to my mother's parents, and they talked about whether they wanted these two people to get together. But they had both parties had to bring something to the table. My father was a successful farmer, and he owned his own home in Disaquino. 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 My mother was an American citizen. I mean, that's gold. So that's what she brought to the table. So that's how they got together. But their parents arranged it, not my mother and father. So your mother and father didn't even know each other? No. My father saw my mother and said, I want her. Right. And my mother never knew my father. And they were never alone until the wedding night. It, it ended up good. She had six daughters. They were never alone till their uh, wedding night. That's incredible. Yeah, and somebody's just telling me. And it's Massimo Batista who got us this wine tonight. The Holland Tunnel was built in 1920. 1920. Okay. Holy smokes. What historical stuff here, and I'm glad that everybody's listening and watching. So, yeah, they had arranged marriages back in the day. Could you imagine an arranged marriage now? Mike, this is what you're doing. You're going to marry this girl. Well, what does she look like? Doesn't matter. You're going to marry You're doing her. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's never going to happen She's now. She's an American citizen. Yeah, Doesn't matter. Now we have online dating. You yeah. know what they look like, and you just say, nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> Okay, so that's cool, an arranged marriage. They had an arranged marriage. Um, later on, my father, when he had the six daughters, he was concerned about getting them married off. He didn't have any money for their dowries. So he talked, my, well, he said to my mother, we're going to America. My mother said no, she didn't want to go. And that's also in the book. Um, she refused to go, and my father said, you're going. And she had no choice but to bring us all. Now, my mother knew that once we came to this country, we would never go back. There's no way. There's no way that my father can make enough money to bring us all back again. And apparently what my sister told me about the trip was horrendous. The food was terrible. The water was couldn't be, and we almost died on the trip over here. Um, my sister's- What ship was this? This was called the Marina Perch. The Marina Perch, that's right. I was reading about that. The Marina Perch. Perch. It was a- We think of things like the Titanic. Yeah. The smaller ships, right? Yeah, this was a smaller ship. It was actually uh, a United States um, war uh, warship. And after the war, they transferred it over to being um, uh, a transport ship. Right. So they used it. So that's what we were on. Can you imagine how scary this would be? God knows what year it is. God knows what month it is. You could be coming over in the winter, and they say, okay, you see that ship with all the guns on it? And, well, that's where you're going. And you're cruising to the United States from Italy. And, uh, well, there might be some 30-foot swells, but don't worry about it. The food's not that good anyway, yeah. and you're not going to want to keep it in your stomach. You want to chuck that. Well, you know, my, <laughs> my family was used to fresh milk and fresh cheeses. And 
they didn't know what a hot dog and beans were, and that's what they were served. And just before, unfortunately, my oldest sister just passed away, but she could never look at mayonnaise and mustard. Yeah. All those years. I mean, that's the, what they served her on, on, on the ship. Or gravy uh, with, uh, with meatloaf and mashed potatoes. She didn't know what that was. None of us did. That's me gone. Yeah. So <laughs> what happened was, when we were coming over, the food was so bad, we were, we were in pretty bad shape when we finally got to America because we couldn't eat the food. Now, in the book, and this is true, um, there was a neighbor that was in the booth, the, uh, uh, the bunk bed. She had oranges and nuts that she brought over, and she shared with us, and that's what saved my sister and my life, my life. This one very nice person who knew that if she didn't help us, we right. were going to die. Did they stay in touch? I don't think so. Isn't it amazing how no. they knew once you get on this ship and you go to the United States, that's pretty much it. You're not going to see your family again. You might be able to sell a telegram somewhere, somehow, in the future. But there was no Facebook, no TikTok, no Instagram. We had a thing called long distance eventually, and you never touched that phone because it would cost you a fortune. In a way, this is like my family. Of course, my mother and father were not uh, an arranged marriage. But my mother's brothers and sisters, when they came to the United States, they left behind one brother. My oldest uncle, his name was Frank. He died of the flu at 26 years old, and his wife at the time was, I think, 22 with two kids, and they could not come to the United States. Mm -hmm. She wore black her entire life, never got remarried, and those two kids migrated to Canada, and that's where my closest mother's relatives lived in Toronto, Canada, and their last name is Berardo. And after all these years, I'm actually in touch with them more than anybody because I travel so much. And now I see their kids as kids as kids on the Internet because of Facebook and shows like this. So it's really great that you sell these tell these stories. And now there's a lot of people who are actually writing in to you already wanting to know what your next book is going to be. So why don't we show them this book because now all this talk about food has got me hungry. Um, before you we continue, can sure, I go ahead. Tell yeah. you one sure, great tell story. Mm -hmm. great After I wrote Franco Nana Genusa, of course, Marina Purchase, the name of the ship that we came over is in the, is in the book. Um, after the book came out, I got a, a, a call from my um, producer, uh, publisher, and says, Mary, someone has gotten in contact with me that would like to meet you and want, wants to give you a call. And I said, well, sure, give them my information. So this very nice gentleman called me and he said to me, he says, let me tell you how I found you. He says, my daughter was looking into um, how we came to this country and she typed in the Marina Perch and your book came up. She, he said, you and I were on the ship coming to America. He says, at the same time. He says, you were three and a half, I was two and a half and my parents were, my mother was pregnant with my sister. Oh, man, that is straight off the Titanic no. movie. Yeah, not only, oh, my gosh. Isn't that incredible? Not only that, he said, so I told him, he says he bought the book, he read it. Uh, he says, I'd like to meet you. Well, he is in, in Western Virginia, which is not far from where I live. So my wonderful son and I drove halfway to Virginia. He, his wife, and his sister met us in a restaurant, and we had lunch. You're kidding. No. So you really never really met the person. But no. when you were two and a half. No, two and a half. But when we were adults, we met. So, <laughs> holy smokes, that's an amazing story. And he sent me a picture of the ticket. He had the original ticket from the ship and mailed it to me. 
Isn't that something? Isn't that's that worth a lot of money, that ticket. Yeah. That's a classic. That's like getting something off the Titanic. Yep. What was the year? Uh, 1947. 1947. And it was uh, November. It was November. I don't remember the day, but it was November, and it was very cold when we got here. Do you have any pictures of that ship? Do you know what it looks like? Like uh, what happened I to do. it? I do. I do. I have a friend of mine who was in the Navy, and he got me a picture of it, but, and I have it at home somewhere. Did the ship go back to Italy? Well, it went back and forth, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Holy smokes. Yeah. Could you imagine that? I mean, we have a hard time finding people in high school. You found somebody that was on a ship a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Holy, wow. That, ship, that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, let's get into a quote real quick because you got a lot of quotes in your book. I love the quote from your parents in your bio in the back of this book, okay? Uh, always old enough. You were always old oh. enough to get married, but never mm -hmm. old enough to, to date. date. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And one day, well, by the time my mother and father got to me and the dating, they were just tired. And, and they didn't put restrictions on me like they did with my older sister. They just, they, were, they had had it. So it was a little easier for me to love and date. It's easier. So I said to my mother one day, I says, Ma, what would you do if I married um, someone who was divorced? Oh, my God, she <laughs> said. You can just put me in a grave because I will never talk to you again. I said, well, Ma, how about if he's not Catholic? Oh, my God, she says, put me in a grave. That was it. You know, there are certain things, even though by the time they got to me, and they're very, they're much more lenient about me dating and going out, um, there were certain things that they would never accept. Any man that was divorced, had children, or them not being Catholic. Those were the two things. So. All right, well, tell us uh, just a couple more things about this book and how it all comes down to the end, and then tell everybody where they can get this, because I also want to start reciting some of your poems. Oh, okay. Well, Frank went on into nurse my book. You can get on Barnes and uh, Noble, or Amazon, online. Okay, um, that's that one. Oh, and did also, did uh, Anna ever uh, end up becoming a designer, designing wedding dresses? No. No, what happened? No, but my mother was an Oh, we got to set that up. Yeah. In the book, it talks about how your mom wanted to be a wedding dress designer yeah. and a wedding dress creator, mm -hmm. like all the crazy shows we have, you know, who's oh, wearing yeah. that dress, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? So what happened? Your mother wanted to do that, and she never succeeded? No, because when we came to this country, my mother had to work. She worked in a factory, and my two older sisters worked in factories. That's the only way we could survive living in this country. It was just too expensive. You know, there was no way that, you know, my mother could ever design dress. She worked for Carter's uh, baby company, making baby clothes. Right. Okay. And this is really fun. This is a fun story to tell you. She um, used to get leftovers, you know, uh, scraps. Food? No, uh, clothes. Clothing. Baby clothes. Yeah. Baby clothes. Carter's baby clothes. And she would bring, bring it home, and she would make us underwear and little pretty little nighties for bed because it was all leftover material. Well, on Saturday morning, in my, in my house, it was wash day. And you would see rows and rows and rows of Carter underwear that my mother made for us girls. They were all the same size. <laughs> but they were rows and rows and rows. Well, it's nice to know that all your sisters could wear the same clothes and yep. hand-me-downs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, so we got this book, Franco and Anna Janusa. I haven't had time to read the second book, which is called After Love. So 
So let's hold this up right here and tell everybody where they can get that. Go ahead. Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. And Amazon. And Amazon. Online. Online. Okay. Now this is loosely based on my family history. The stories that I tell that actually happen are actually fictional around the story because I was not born at that time. Well, you got to bump up the game a little. Yeah. That can make it more interesting. <laughs> That's okay. But once you get to the second book. This is the second love, book. After love. I designed the cover. This is nice. I designed what is that, a knife? Uh, uh, scissors. Scissors. Yeah, and when you read the story, you'll understand what the scissors and the thread is all about. You have to read the story. All right, so where are we going to get this one? Same, Barnes & Noble. And, Barnes & Noble. And, um, oh, Amazon. Amazon. Online. Now, all right. This story is completely fictional. It has nothing to do with my family. I just took the characters from the first book and went on to the second. I have two more books that I have uh, written, so it's a series of four. When I get done and publish the other two books, I plan to write the TV series. We're going to make a great TV series. You felt me on Yes, okay. talk a little loud if you can. Okay. Remember I told you before the show that we have a friend from Italy who constantly writes into the show, and he's writing into the show right now. Okay. So this is a good time for everybody to ask Mary any questions that you have about her life or her book. But right now, Gino had changed his name. Hey, Mike, how you doing? He says, you miss me, buddy? You know my saying, you ain't Italian if you don't speak Italian unless your parents are born in Italy. So you would be okay, Mike. Well, thank you very much, buddy. We have a, a family here from Sicily. She wrote a couple of books. We've been talking about it. We're having some fun. And we also talked about food and why she calls it sauce, and I call it gravy. So right now, if you put these over to the side right there, we're going to grab this book next and talk about that because I'm going to recite some poems. And why not recite some poems while we're having some food? I'm feeling a little hungry. Boy, I sure wish Johnny Salami from Hero Kings in Nutley, New Jersey was here. Oh, would you look at that? It looks like the number four sandwich. It's coming in from I don't know where. Thank you very much, Johnny Salami, and the ghost of Johnny Salami's hand, who brought us some sandwiches. Oh, these are for me. Oh, more sandwiches. Looks like there's the... Uh, the, 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 the number four on this one. This is the number four, which is a sandwich that's named after me. It's got gabagool, pressed ham, and capricola on it. Oh, no, that is gabagool. Oh, I wish I had some sides, some side dishes. No, a little higher. <laughs> Lower. Lower. In, in. There. Look at that. He even had his nails done. What do we mean? This is tortellini. Oh, oh my gosh. Tortellini, tortellini and potato salad. Oh. 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 While we eat, if anybody has any questions for Mary or Johnny Salami, Mike, he's not really here. There's some big news. I got to give it to you. Johnny Salami has big news. What can it be, oh, Johnny Salami? Amantasante. Amantasante. He's making Gotti 2. He's making Gotti Part 2. Big shout out to all our friends who are at Mob Movie Con this weekend at Harrah's in Atlantic City. It's really not big news. It's been all over the internet that Gotti Part 2 is being made with Armand Asante because he played Gotti in Part 1. I wonder what Part 2 could possibly be like. Maybe scenes from prison. Anyway... 
Have a nice uh, sandwich if you like. Try some tortellini if you like. Cheers with the wine. I hope you're enjoying your wine. Say you love this wine. Delicious. All right, it's delicious. Let's take in some questions. Bon Appetit from Eddie Sessa. That's delicious with red wine. Hello, Mike from Sydney, Australia. Says Sargon Reskin. I hope you visit us down here soon. Cheers. Cheers, Saigon. Sargon, I appreciate you. Mike, can you please ask Mary if she's enjoying the wine? Mary, are you enjoying the wine? It's delicious. It's delicious. Delicious. Um, Can't Italy, get any better. Some of our Italian friends say, Italy won the Europe Cup. Forget to mention. Don't forget to mention. Yes, well, we all know that because we've been watching the news. Forza Italiana. Um, who wrote the poems that are in the book? I did. You did. Of oh, course you did. All right, so here comes some romantic poems that were written by Mary. The Mountain Scene. You like this one? This is the one that I picked. It's from this book, right? Yes. She also wrote a book of poems, and I'm going to read some of the poems. I hope I do them justice. Poems on Life's Simplicity by Mary B. Patterson, and that's your son right there in the picture. Isn't that cool? All right. The mountain scene. The mountain shows its summer green, proud of its wild and beautiful scene. Lightly dusted, it wears its many wild flowers, spread down across the valley that it showers. Tears on its floor of a ray of color should be painted in a watercolor. The warm wind weaves through its leaves, gently blowing its fragrance in the breeze. Look at the yellow and purple hue. It is still in the morning view. It is a gorgeous, spectacular shade of green, the mountain that shows its wild flowered scene. Cool, huh? How was my reading? Great. Pretty cool? Better than mine. Better? <laughs> All right. So I got the mountain scene. It was another one. Oh, yeah. I got, I got notes on this one. Are we ready? Salute, everybody. Salute. You Take My Breath Away is the name of this poem. Mm -hmm. My heart skips a beat. I have to catch my breath. The same feeling I still get as when we first met. Imposing, strong face, softened by age. Together we have turned every page. Your stability, stature, witty personality bring security, comfort, and laughter to me. Surprise, out of nowhere you come, washing away my fears. I was silly and dumb. As time goes by, I love you more. Sharing in our lives is what it's all for. My arms around you I feel your size. That's a big name. I feel your size. Life has brought us here through the warmth of your eyes. The feel of your touch makes me want to stay. The sight of your handsomeness still takes my breath away. I wrote that for my husband. I was assuming that was your big husband. Big Irish man. I, she married an Irish man, Patterson. With all this Sicilian background mm -hmm. and family coming from Italy, 
Books on the rise. She marries a man who's Irish. He's Irish. <laughs> and, he, and we have three beautiful Irish Italian Is that right? Kids. Half Irish, half Italian mm -hmm. children. children. They wanted to go out and commit a robbery, but they were too drunk to get in the car. <laughs> That's true. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. <laughs> this is absolutely fun. Mary, she is very interesting and cool. Buying her book now. Great. Thank, thank you, Massimo. Catching your very late. Oh, well, thank you, Darlene. Thank you for coming in. We're reading poems that are from my friend Mary's book right here. And I'm going to do one more, okay? Oh, you okay. like this one? That's you want to pick? No, no, that one's good. That one's beach good. night. No, wait a minute. Oh, oh, beach beach night. night. Oh, oh, beach night. Everybody's from the beach. It's summertime. Oh, yeah. Let's close out with this poem. Okay, All right? this is good. Have your glass of wine. Here we go. Okay. Beach night. The moon is high and bright. The paves a path with light. It paves a path with light. The waves swirling around my toes, fingering my cares before it goes. The tender wind in motion caresses my senses, an exotic potion. My body feels so warm, my soul at dorm, Wanting to share my solitude. I'm sorry. I can't read all of this stuff. My eyes are going bad. Wanting to share my solitude. Bring on a romantic mood. Remembering his last kiss. It is him I miss. Not wanting to end the salty feel of night. Soon the morning mist will bring its light. Ah, oh, how nice. Isn't that romantic? I think so. I think so. Sounds great to me. Well, listen, oh my God, we've been on even longer than an hour. So let's get going. Okay. But before we leave, how about a nice shout out to our producer, Tatiana Blueshell, who put tonight's show together and every show together. For the past almost 200 shows, my producer, Tatiana Blueshell, who's originally from Germany, makes this show possible. If you would like to be on live from my mother's basement, write to Tatiana Blueshell. Her email address is mikemarinoentertainment at gmail.com. No, I'm sorry. mikemarinoentertainment, oh yeah, at gmail.com. What the hell am I thinking? Entertainment at gmail.com. Write to her. Tell her you would like to be on the show, and she will show you exactly how to do it. We practice social distancing, folks. We do get the COVID checks. People have to be vaccinated or at least have the COVID check. She will give you all this information and send you dates and times. And if you're available, you can come down to the show. Maybe you would like to sponsor live from my mother's basement. Use the same email address or write to me, MikeMarinoLive at gmail.com. It's all about having fun. This is the first time that I've done this type of a clean show, and I'm really having a great time. Mary, I want to thank you so much from coming down, for coming down to the basement and bringing all this wonderful stuff. One more time, if you could tell us where we can get this book, we could find you on the Internet. I, I guarantee you, you enjoy this, and this is going to be made into a script. That script is going to turn into a movie. And hopefully yours truly, alongside Armand DeSante and Johnny Salami, will be in the movie. And we'll have a lot of fun with that. And we'll drink wine from Massimo Batista, who you could write to, who's watching the show 
right here, right now. Every Tuesday night, live from my mother's basement at 8 o'clock. Join us. Do you want them to say? Before we end the <laughs> program, I did write the screenplay to this. So if anyone is interested, let me know, and I will send you the screen treatment, if you're interested. Well, if you're interested in putting up your money. <laughs> All right, we got to get going. If you want to know more about me, where I'm going, I got a lot of shows this week, next week, and throughout the rest of the year, all at mikemarino.net. We're going to have these sandwiches that Johnny Salami brought us from Hero Kings in Nutley, New Jersey. We got to get going. I'm Mike Marino. Good night. Well, wait a minute. We always say the same thing. Remember, let's make America a tiny again. You don't know nothing, you don't see nothing, you don't say nothing. And how do I end every single one of my broadcasts by always saying the same thing? You got to say it with, with me, Mary. Okay. Ready? Okay, we got it. You're Here ready? we go. And don't, don't take, take no, no shit from nobody. nobody. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> All right, let's eat. Good. Very good. Very good. That was wonderful. Very good. That's good? Absolutely. Yeah. Did I do okay? You did very great. Good. I'm going to go sit over there. Let's eat. Yeah, very good. Very, very good. You all right? I'm fine. You did she great. You kept it going strong. She kept it going strong, Mary. I did it, man. You did a good job. You did great. There you go. I was engaged, trust me. I was yeah, okay. we had the people engaged. <laughs> Mike, you're a saint from heaven. Anyone who can put up with me is a saint. <laughs> Aw. Thanks for listening to Live from My Mother's Basement with me, Mike Marino. Make sure you log on to all my social media at Mike Marino Live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.